0: Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org.
1: We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley with a new recreation map you'll hear about later in the show.
0: Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department reminds Oregonians to enjoy the outdoors this summer, seek uncrowded areas, know their limits, and don't just be careful, be insanely careful with campfires. All right, in this episode, we are talking with a mountain guide about some of the best Oregon climbs that do not require ropes. So these are spectacular peaks where all you need are strong legs, strong lungs, and strong planning to reach some of the state's most dramatic views. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, today we are joined by Mike Gurley. He's a climb leader with a Salem-based outdoors club called the Chemeketans. They're an outstanding organization that specializes in getting people outdoors safely. I've joined them for a few trips, written about them a number of times. Mike, thanks for being here.
2: Hey, thanks, Jack, for the invitation. And um, actually, for all you've done to promote the Chemekedans, it's, it's exciting to finally meet you and to get the chance to chat about some of our favorite Oregon destinations.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, all right, on this episode, Mike and I are going to pick our favorite non-technical mountain climb. So the idea here is to highlight some spectacular summits that don't require rock climbing skill or carrying a big old rope. The Mountains we're going to highlight can be reached in some cases by following a pretty good trail and others by doing what's kind of described as scramble climbing. You know, getting off trail, maybe using your hands a little bit to reach that final summit. So, Mike, how would you describe this style of of hiking or climbing?
2: I think you painted a pretty accurate picture. Uh, Scrambling can range widely from just a steep trail right up to the point where you might start debating about whether or not it's safe to climb without technical training and gear. That can be a gray area, and... What one person considers scrambling can definitely be out of bounds for someone else. Uh, The appeal of scrambles to me is that there's typically a lot more latitude or freedom to explore, to pick a route that seems interesting to you as you are in the moment. Uh, it's that sense of adventure that I kind of like, yeah. and, uh, but not to the level of clinging to the side of a rock face <laughs> with a thousand feet of air be- beneath me.
0: I do love that, that aspect of scrambling, where you get up to the point, you're off the trail, mm-hmm. you look up the mountain and you're like, okay, how am I gonna do this? You know, There's a little bit of problem solving that doesn't exist when there's just like the trail that just blasts up straight to the top. Oh,
2: absolutely, I've backtracked I think more times and I've just gone <laughs> straight to the top.
0: All right, well, Mike and I are gonna go back and forth, each picking our five favorite mountains that feature this style of climbing and hiking. We'll talk about peaks in the Cascades, the Siskiyou, the Elkhorn, the Wallawas, and even some mountains you probably haven't heard of. Now, normally we'd spend some time talking about gear and trip planning, but since that would probably take up an entire episode, Mike, why don't you talk about an organization that specializes in developing these skills and getting people outdoors safely? So as an organization, what do the Chemeketans bring to the table? Why, why would a person want to join?
2: Sure. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that the Chemeketans are not just a climbing club. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been around since 1928. They have approximately 700 members. I was a membership secretary for the group for a while, so it fluctuates from year to year. Um, they, their primary activity is actually day hiking, mm-hmm. and that's how I got into it. But they also have uh, members that are very active in things like cross-country ski trips, snowshoeing, bicycling, kayaking. Uh, there's a there's a core backpack group. Um, they also range up to things like museum trips or urban hikes. Um, there's an annual banquet and a two-week annual outing, which um, they float the location around – all around the, the northwest uh, and it's – Great family activity. Uh, people love it, and just go year after year. They plan their summer vacation mm-hmm. around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the club's main draw is the people. I relocated to Oregon from the East Coast ten years ago and did not know a single person in the entire state. Before I came out here, I just Googled Salem Outdoor Club, and Schmeckens <laughs> came up. <laughs> Within a few months, I was joining and uh, going on uh, day hikes. I was hooked. and Eventually, expanded to doing some backpacking, and then, kind of by accident, uh, I agreed to go uh, attend the the climb school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, whatever. You know, I'll give it a shot." And I haven't looked back since. Uh, I just have devoted most of my most of my time and energy to to mountaineering. Um. Yeah, through the club, I've made lifelong friends and acquaintances, and it was through the club's climb school that I met my now wife and partner. Uh, so go to Chemekinens.org. It's actually Salem's uh, secret um, dating site as well as Outdoor <laughs> Club.
0: Yeah, well, That's funny. So one of the things I've always been impressed with with the Chemechanins is the climb school and mountaineering. Yeah, I know you guys do a ton of other stuff, but th- but that aspect in particular, like I've interviewed a number of people from all walks of life over the years who've come through the Chemechanin pipeline and said something to the effect of, Look, I mean, I'm a school teacher. I never really envisioned myself as being a person who climbed Mount Hood or Three Finger Jack. Like, that didn't seem like something that was possible for me. But I went through the Chemekin and Climb School, and now I did it, and I'm climbing these big peaks. So how do you guys pull that off? You take some pretty greenhorn folks and turn them into, you know, legit climbers who are doing serious peaks.
2: Yeah, Um your story is a pretty common one. Um I'm one of those that never really imagined I'd be able to or even be interested in mountaineering. That was something that, you know, I'd flip through National Geographic and see pictures and go, "Wow, these people are pretty 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 crazy." Um so like I said, I accidentally kind of fell into the climb school and and I thought, "Well, you know, at the very least there are some mountains that I can hike up, but I want to go just a little bit further." So so it's the mountaineering aspect that I was interested in. And the climb school teaches you both alpine mountaineering and also rock climbing. And the rock climbing thing, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. But it's part of the course. I'll take it. I, that was amazing. I just had – I had actually had more fun in that part of the of the climb school than in the alpine uh, part. So that really expanded uh, what I was interested in mm-hmm. at that time. And and other people have said – have had the same story. Uh, a lot of times people will join or take the take the school thinking well i just want to climb mount hood check that off my my bucket list and and just move on and then they realize no this is actually something that i want i want to pursue mm-hmm. and a uh, little side note it, it's funny the the percentage of climber friends in the club that are uh, afraid of heights yeah. so so y- y- there are all these things that you think are keeping you back from mm-hmm. from doing these these pretty amazing activities but uh, i would say you know, just go for it and yeah. get a taste of it. Yeah. And really that's the that's the Chemekedans Climb School of Philosophy is we're not going to put you through a six-month ordeal of teaching you every single technical aspect of climbing. It's to give you the very basics for safety. And then, then that allows you to start to go on these uh, what we classify as level one, uh, either snow, rock, or mixed climbs and to build your skill set over time that way. It's a little bit different of an approach than some of our sister clubs, let's say the Mazamas do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to give a lot more training up front. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all volunteer-based. We just don't have the the capacity to do that. So we, we take kind of that incremental approach to things.
0: Well, I think you guys do something that's really important, and that is just like the first step, like the first confidence-boosting thing where maybe somebody doesn't think that they can – that they can climb, you know, do any rock climbing, and you put them in a position where they feel safe, and they can just go ahead and do it, you know, you provide that support and mechanism, and then they do it, and all of a sudden, you know, that confidence just like shoots up, um, because they realize, yeah, I, I actually can do this, and then, you know, from that point, the, the the sky's the limit. Okay, so Mountain Hood and Three Finger Jack are actually two that are not going to appear on the hikes and scramble climbs that Mike and I are about to talk about. Uh, But we are going to have plenty of big summits, big views, big challenges, perfect for anyone who's in good shape and looking for a bit of a challenge. So, Mike, you ready to get rolling? I am. All right, well, I'm going to get us started here. We, again, we're both going to pick. Five of our favorite climbs. And again, I'm definitely going to cheat, so it's going to be more than five for me. But to get us started here, I'm going to pick what's probably the most obvious example of what we're talking about in this style of climbing, and that is South Sister, which I think has inspired like a generation of mountaineers in Oregon. It's actually the third tallest mountain in Oregon, and the summit is easily one of the most spectacular views in the state. You've got Middle and North Sister, just looking like right there, then you're looking north towards Hood all the way to Rainier. South Sister has an obvious and very well-traveled climber's trail that begins at Devil's Lake Trailhead typically, Uh, Now, new this year, you do need one of a limited number of permits to do the climb, and you get that at recreation.gov. The entire hike is 12 miles round trip with about 5,000 feet of climb. It's definitely physically demanding, but really beautiful. Uh, It's the one that I would, when friends were visiting, like college buddies were visiting, South Sister was always the one that I did, because you could really show off like the spectacular side of climbing a volcano in Oregon. Uh, But you know, it wasn't that tough. Like if you were in good enough shape, you could make it happen. There's great views along the way. Uh, so Mike, what do you think of South Sister, the climb? And I know that you've o- often talked about taking a, a different route to the summit than just that standard kind of like <laughs> thoroughfare, for lack of a better term.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm not uh, alone in saying that South Sister was their first big mountain climb. I've um, probably been up maybe five times to the summit rim. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that I've never described my experience climbing South Sister as easy. I mean, 5,000 feet of gain is 5,000 feet of gain. And that's how I tend to measure uh, the climbs is not uh, the elevation of the summit. You know, it's like, how many feet, how many steps did you need to put one after another to get, you have know, to haul yourself up there? Obviously, there's the main trail, which leads from Devil Lake straight north, right up to the, right up to the top. Uh, I had heard about uh, a climber's trail which led up from Green Lakes, and so I, taking my son on his first climb, I I went up that way, and I kind of like it because you're not you know you're not in the masses you're not in the conga line of of kids throwing snowballs at each other you know and laughing and, and hardly hardly breathing hard at all uh, on the way up, and it gives you a little bit more of that kind of alpine experience. Um, a lot of times you're walking on a snowfield most of the way up, And so you're like, "Wow, I'm you know, I'm a I'm a mountaineer. I'm I'm, I'm walking across the snow." And then you get up a little further, and you're in boulders and, and kind of picking your way through there. There is an actual trail. A lot of times when I've gone up there, it's been covered by snow, mm-hmm. but it it joins up with the main trail at about nine thousand feet. And so then you you know you're with everyone else for that final push to the top.
0: Well, I'd like to try that. I mean, you know, I've done the the thoroughfare hike twice now. And and again, it is great. But I, I bet that there is like, is there more solitude? Is there just different views? Does it feel like a different experience when you're doing it that way?
2: Yeah, it, there definitely aren't as many people. Uh, you're Sometimes not even following any sort of tracks up there, but you you just you just pick a point and you just head towards that, and you're going to get there eventually. Yeah. You know, if, if you wander, of course, you're going to know it. Uh, also, the glissading is good on the way on the way down, sure, which is a big draw for me and for a lot of people.
0: And you can't do that on the thoroughfare one, you or can, you're going to like bowling ball like yeah. twenty people.
2: <laughs> there are little spots that you can sometimes eke out a you know a thirty forty foot uh, slide, but no, yeah. definitely there's some long runs.
0: Okay, well you you've sold me. I think that's the next time I. Do do that. I'm going to give that one a shot. So, all right. uh, Your first pick, uh, what mountain are you going to get us started with?
2: Well, I'm not going too far. Uh, Middle Sister. So Middle Sister was my very first official Chemeketan club climb. So I probably have some highly unreasonable nostalgic memories of it. Uh, I had always climbed along the north edge of the Hayden Glacier to a point between north and middle. And then you head due south right up to the summit that way. Uh, we did it when when I did it as a as a club climb. We actually roped up, used crampons, ice axes, and all that. Where you actually walk up on the edge of that glacier, that's not needed. I mm-hmm. mean, you can it can be done as a scramble from that side. But again, the Chemekedin, uh philosophy is start off with something which sometimes even just simulates a technical climb. But mm-hmm. you, you're, you're perfectly safe, and that just helps to build that confidence and in, in those skills. However, last October, a climbing buddy of mine inv- invited me on a last-minute impromptu climb via the Camp Lake side. Okay. So we went in um, through Pole Creek. It's kind of a long, dusty uh, trail for a while. And then you start getting up into the trees and it cools down a little bit and you start getting views of the mountains, which is really nice. From there, uh, you you basically just, you can see the ridge and mm-hmm. just, just head up. Like most of Oregon's volcanoes, it can be a little slippy, slidey, you know, loose rock and scree and all that. But it's doable you know it's in and it's it's not again like celsius Sisters, nothing to to laugh at it's it's quite a bit of gain i'm trying to think i think it's like 4700 mm-hmm. from from that from that
0: point so we, so did you backpack and make camp at camp lake or, yeah we uh, yeah. we
2: we did and um i i tend to like that yeah. i like the i don't know it might be a little bit uh compass to say the expedition aspect yeah. of, of climbing. Yeah. I, lo- I like to go in and camp. I mean, there are times where if you're doing like a, like a Washington or three finger jack, no, you're not going to camp. You're just going to go as fast as you can and climb it and, and, and hike on out. But no, we camped at Camp Lake. Um, and it's always, it's always nice to, to jump in an Alpine Lake. If you can, if the temperatures, <laughs> you know, uh, if you can stand the temperature and wash off some of that grit and grime yeah. and, we had perfect weather, and again slept without a tent, so we're able to travel light. So that was that
0: very was nice. cool. Yeah, I love. There's nothing better than finishing a climb and then jumping in the lake. Maybe you got a beer stash there or something. Oh, and yeah. It's just oh, it's 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 heaven. I'm curious. So I I had a trip get canceled uh, last year uh, because of some <laughs> wildfires that took over the state. But I was going to go up uh, via obsidian. Um, have you have you ever heard much about that route? I know people do it, and kind of what you do the same thing. You backpack in there, make camp probably around Sunshine Meadows, and then and then and then head on up. Have you heard much about that route?
2: I I've heard a lot about it. I've never even attempted to get the permits. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure. I, I'm, I'm really bad at, at um, planning ahead far enough to, to get permits. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's but it's important in this case because like you know if you did this climb, you, you know, Pole ridge to uh, Camp Lake. Uh, if you're staying overnight, you would need to get an overnight permit uh, this year to do, to do that year. same route. Right, so, so it's, it's even d- different this year than it would have been for you in the past.
2: It is. This is a whole new ball game, I, and I haven't been out <laughs> yet to to experience that. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah.
0: All right, so uh, I'm going to jump in and do my second pick. And I'm heading to a mountain that is quite a ways out there in the Elkhorn Mountains of eastern Oregon, uh, not too far from Baker City. Um, I have a friend out there who says that people from the west side of Oregon refer to this area as outer Mongolia um, because it's just so far and so far from the consciousness of like Portland and Salem, but beautiful mountains out there. And the mountain that I am climbing here is Rock Creek Butte. Uh, which is 9,106 feet tall. It's the 15th tallest summit in Oregon. Now I would call this a pretty classic scramble because you follow a trail for quite, quite a part of the journey. And then uh, you get to the mountain and you just pick your route and scramble up to the top. It's not too difficult to, to pick your route there. Um, there's a few options for how you get to that point. Uh, the first is the Elkhorn Crest Trail beginning at Marble Pass. Now, the Elkhorn Crest, one of the most beautiful and underrated trails in Oregon, I highly recommend backpacking the entire thing. It's, it's very high. Like you, Marble Pass starts at 7,500 feet. So you start off really high and just go ridgeline to ridgeline on that trail. But if you want to climb Rock Creek Butte, you can start at Marble Pass. Continue, oh, it's four to five miles. Rock Creek Butte is super obvious on your right and you just kind of climb up to the top. You do need uh, a strong vehicle to get up to Marble Pass. It is a truly wretched uh, road. So you need a a high clearance rig for sure. A different way to access it is via the Twin Lakes Trailhead. Uh, That's got some friendlier roads and the Twin Lakes are two of the most gorgeous mountain lakes anywhere in the state they're carved right into the side of this giant cliff also home to some super friendly mountain goats um, who will walk into your camp and just kind of act like you don't exist and they run the place up there Uh, but if you you hike up to to Twin Lakes um, I made camp there and then you climb up to the Elkhorn Crest and then Rock Creek Butte is right above that the summit's super beautiful. Um, you can see like the entire sweep of northeastern Oregon, including the Wallawa Mountains in the distance. You know, it depends on where you start. Um, if you start at Marble Pass, uh, there's less climb. Uh, only about 1,500, 2,000 feet. Uh, if you start at Twin Lakes, it's uh, almost 4,000 feet of climb. Both are around 11 to 12 miles. So the summit's great. Um, just a rugged experience. There's a lot less people typically out there. You've got the mountain goats. Uh, have you ever been out in the uh, in the Elkhorn area? Or uh, what do you know about that area?
2: <clears throat> I have not. You know, I was, I was sitting here going where even is that? Yeah. I was trying, trying to think. <laughs> it's uh, a
0: subset of the Blue Mountains. Okay. Um, and just kind of, it's you know, if, if you're driving out 84 and the Wallawa Mountains are like the northeast corner, mm-hmm. if you turn like right and kind of head back towards the middle of the state, there's like the blue and the Elkhorn Mountains a little farther south. Okay. Um, so they're like a the under under heralded like sister range to the Wallawas is, is one the way to think of. But they're high. I mean, you're up above nine thousand feet. Sure. Pretty quick. And yeah, it's just a, it's a the Elkhorns underrated.
1: I'm Andy Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air and water. And it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org.
0: All right. Well, what is next on your list?
1: Oh, this is kind
2: of a strange one, but I decided to talk about it a little bit anyway. I mean, everyone's heard of Broken Top. I'm still still in the sisters area here. Um, But Broken Top does include two little spots that I, as a cautious person, might say, you know, you need to protect with ropes. I know there are people that climb it unprotected, and uh, I'll keep touching on that. I think as we as we talk about these different areas, uh, for those of you that are looking to get up and close uh, to the mountain, there is the option though of scrambling up to a sub peak, very uh, dryly labeled as Peak Nine Zero Nine Four, <laughs> and that really is that's just the elevation. So you're you're all, you're a mere eighty one feet below the actual summit of Broken Top, and Broken Top. I mean, if you look at it, how do you really pick a summit i mean it's a mm-hmm. it's a horseshoe right <laughs> so it, it, the highest point yes is is the actual summit, but you know any of those pieces <laughs> very loose pieces around it uh, you know are are challenging and there's different different paths up it but this this is able to be scrambled uh you you basically go into green lakes mm-hmm. uh, to the very southern Point of once you once you know you come out of the trees and you see the lake, and then you basically head due east, and you're gonna get to a point, and then just a- as you go for maybe a half a mile, start angling towards Broken Top off to your left, and you're gonna you're gonna see a very obvious long sloping finger coming down off of off of Broken Top, and you just. This is a scramble. So you just kind of pick your path and see see where it leads you and just keep following that ridgeline all the way up. And you get up to a it's not very big. I would say you could you could stand maybe four people on a very large rock overlooking the crater, and you're you're right up there close and personal. It's it's pretty spectacular to look down into that crater. Mm-hmm. And um there's that that lake down in there, that uh, mm-hmm. glacier lake. So you know, it's an option for people that you know don't have technical training or are just out there. We actually did it when we were climbing Broken Top. We did it the night before.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Someone said, "Hey, you ever climb that?" And I'm like, "No, let's go do it." So we we ran out there and. And that was the icing on the cake, I guess.
0: Well, that sounds fantastic. That we've got to come up with a better name for it, though. There's <laughs> got to be like, I mean, having climbed it and popularized it, I feel like we should be able to name that. Like nobody gets to name landmarks anymore. So I don't know. We'll we'll start thinking about some cool ones because Peak Nine Zero Nine Four. There's no romanticism in it.
2: There is none. <laughs> you're right.
0: So this one, it's it's pretty straightforward. Like you just, you know, it's almost like you're you're climbing broken top but then you just veer off and 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 climb this this pretty is it an obvious peak to navigate to?
2: It is. I mean, you get to the point where you can't go any further. Mm-hmm. So so you're there. It's so if you if you think of broken top as a horseshoe mm-hmm. uh which way do horseshoes normally go? So, yeah, if you're looking at the horseshoe where the two if you're looking into the open end of the horseshoe, yep. it's that bottom left part of of the horseshoe.
0: So that's, that's that's where it is. Cool. And so you've got the good view of Broken Top. I assume you got a pretty good view of the Sisters as well. Yeah.
2: Any of these, you get up high enough and you're going to see, see all up and down the Cascades mm-hmm. on, a, on a good weather day, right? Cool.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, as, as somebody who's – I haven't, like, retired from climbing or anything, but I've got two kids, so I don't do it as much. And so I look for these slightly easier uh, routes that are still spectacular. So this, this sounds like it might be uh, right up my alley. I don't know if it's easier. It's OK.
2: <laughs> I mean, you're still I mean, like I said, it's only 81 feet below the, the summit. So Fair. you're still you're still exerting quite a bit of energy to get up there.
0: Fair. All right. So for my third pick, um, I, as I've mentioned, I'm going to cheat a little bit so that I can get two of my favorite climbs in the Southern Cascades in here. And those are Mount McLaughlin, the highest point in Southern Oregon and Mount Thielson, the lightning rod of the Cascades. They're kind of similar climbs with one big difference that we will get to. But I'm gonna start off with Mount McLaughlin. Um, I always think of it as Southern Oregon's version of South Sister in that there is a pretty well-established trail that goes all the way within one mile of the summit. And then there's kind of a final push that's a little bit of a rock hop uh, to get up to the top. It's 10 miles round trip. A little less than 4,000 feet of climb. So, again, very physically demanding. Uh, one of my favorite Mount McLaughlin stories is uh, I had a buddy who was just – because when you live in southern Oregon, I lived down there for a while, Mount McLaughlin just dominates the skyline. Like, you look across the the Rogue Valley, and Mount McLaughlin just, just really stands out. You can always see it, especially in the winter. And so he's like, man, I, I want to climb that. He was somebody who barely went hiking, uh, smoked a decent amount of cigarettes, but he's like – I'm going to do it. And so I woke him up really early and we made it. He said it was the single worst experience of his life um, because it was so hard. We ended up hiking down in the darkness, but we made it um, because you can just follow that trail. It's a pretty obvious route. Um, My favorite thing about the summit isn't just that you can see all the way into like Northern California to Shasta and, you know, big view. I love looking down at the Sky Lakes Wilderness, which is one of my favorite backpacking spots. Um, You know, just grew up doing that area a lot. And I try to pick out the lakes below. Like see if you can like pick out which one is which based on the size and stuff. So that was my favorite thing to do um, up McLaughlin. I should add that people do get lost all the time coming down because they veer onto what seems like – the more comfortable way down, which is the south slope. Um, so, as weird as it sounds, like what I always try to do is stay a little closer to that edge of the bowl. And if you do that, you you hit the the trail again. But if you get off on the south side, you can miss the trail, and that happens to quite a few people. Um, so, you must have some some uh, McLaughlin experience. Uh, what jumps out at you about uh, Mount Mac?
2: So, the first time I did it was actually in the winter, um, which was a, a lot of fun. And it's it's. You know, we had crampons and ice axes yep. just for for safety reasons. But we hiked—I don't know—a third of the way in and made camp. Winter camping is is a challenge. Yep. Uh, it's it's a thing all of its all of its own. But yeah, the next morning we had great weather. Just tromped our way up to the ridgeline and mm-hmm. just took it all the way to the top. Yeah, the area is is wonderful. I don't know what lake we camped by uh, mm-hmm. down near the base, but it was just. So relaxed. It was early season; not a lot of people around. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the views—being um, able to see again anywhere on the Cascades—you're gonna you're gonna look north and you're gonna see the line heading up there, and you're gonna look south. And sometimes, if you're lucky, you see all the way down to Shasta. So.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing that that I thought of because I did a winter climb up there uh, as well is it's it's a different experience. I mean, I think we just parked on the side of the highway snowshoed through kind of the Sky Lakes wilderness right. area. And then, you know, you get to the southern kind of... And it's just like a big ramp yeah. up to the top mm-hmm. and you just <laughs> trudge your way up there. But I do remember the summit is, seems much smaller in the snow. Right. And we <laughs> got up to the ridgeline and just got blasted by wind. Like, we'd been protected by that, you know, being on the south side the whole time. And then I got up to the top and the wind almost knocked me off my feet. It was... Uh, a great climb until that point, and that, that sketched me out a little bit. Like, I kind of, like, very carefully made my way up to the summit and was, like, touched it and was like, okay, I yep. want to get out of this wind. Like, <laughs> exactly. I'm coming down. Like, I had visions of getting, like, blown into that huge bowl <laughs> below or something. Yeah. Uh, it's,
2: anyway. It's, it's steep, too. Yeah. I mean, covered by snow, you look at it and you go, wow, if I started sliding, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, any of these, there's an element of calculated risk, right? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as far as glissading goes, really good on that south face. Like you could slide for a, a long way,
2: but then do you end up <laughs> way off the trail, right?
0: <laughs> the route that we had come in, it's I, I don't know if I took. I was going with a guy who's. I tend to go with people who are way more experienced and better than I am, right. which is which is helpful and one of the perks of being a reporter. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we slid way down there and you know followed a GPS track. Uh, back to our car. So yeah, McLaughlin. I mean, that's, that's a big one. That's a a, a great one. Again, it's two very different experiences. I would, in the summer, I typically waited for Labor Day. It was like, I wait for Labor Day to do like this big labor of, you know, climbing up the mountains. And then, you know, there's, there's more snow, obviously, earlier in the season, like June or or July. So jumping from there, um, I just wanted to include like Mount Thielson here, because I've always seen it as sort of like a a sister or a twin of Mount McLaughlin um, with a little extra spice. So there's the Mount Thielsen Trailhead. You hike up uh, past the Pacific Crest Trail to that really great view of Thielsen that really you understand why it's called the Lightning Rod of the Cascades because of how sharp that (laughs) point is. Anyway, you keep going up through kind of like a lot of scree and then you get up to this point and I remember this distinctly. Like the people I was with, called it chicken ledge, Mm -hmm. which is, (laughs) I feel like that's a little pejorative. Like that's kind of a a jerk way to put it. But anyway, it's right at 9,100 feet. And it has that name because to reach the actual summit, you have to use your hands and legs, leave the ground and climb that last 80 feet. And it can feel pretty intimidating. Now I did this without ropes. And plenty of people do, but I was also fairly young and stupid at that point in my life. So I know there's some debate about this. So, Mike, what's the conventional wisdom here as a, as a seasoned climber? How do you deal with chicken ledge and that final little chimney up to Mount Thielson?
2: Well, if I were doing it as an official club climb, I would I would always protect it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, would, we would have someone lead with ropes, place, place uh, the gear in there. And then we would rappel down. And really, when it comes down to it, climbing up is fairly straightforward. Yeah. and the holds are great, and the mm-hmm. foot placements are great, and you could climb that all day. I mean, I think most people could. It's the climbing down that really I think a lot of people misjudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's trickier. You know, you're looking down below you, trying to figure out where am I going to put my foot, and and that's 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 when people tend to tend to slip and make mistakes.
1: True.
2: I would I do it myself unprotected? I've probably done worse things, but <laughs> but um it's it's a hard call. It really is. Yeah. Um, and one that I'm not willing to make at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I it's it's you you're 100% right because and you can see it when you're looking at it. Um that was the thing for me. It's like I wasn't sure I was going to climb it. I was by myself. I I picked up with with two guys, but I could see really clearly where the route up was sure. like it had been kind of worn and I was like okay I feel comfortable with this because like I see exactly where I'm going to put my hand, my foot, my hand, my foot mm-hmm. and look I'm there. And I paid really close attention to that and just made a memory to get back down. And so felt fine about it. Um but yeah, it's it's I feel like that one is like the 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 perfect edge between scramble climbing and then something else.
2: Yeah. And you know, all the literature that's out there, they make that same exact or they lay out that same exact uh, kind of issue or, or, or quandary. Yeah. It's like, well, we're not going to tell you what to do, but it could be done either way.
0: I will say that as a reporter who spends a lot of time writing about accidents, there are a number of places that get a reputation for bad things happening. Mount Thielson isn't necessarily one of them. Um, it Maybe I'm wrong here and I'd have to look at the statistics, but it's not one of the places that you find a lot of fatal accidents. Sure. So, whether that factors into your decision at all, I don't think it should. But, um, you know, at least at this point, it hasn't, it's not a death trap at right. this point. All right. Our newest sponsor is Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean beach, ancient forest, and a shocking number of beautiful places you might never have heard of, all centered around towns like Manzanita, Pacific City, and Tillamook. This is a beautiful area to visit, and the best way to plan a trip here is by looking at their newly created Trails and Recreation map. The map features 800 different sites from campgrounds to beaches to hiking trails. My favorite thing about the map is that it breaks down activities into 13 categories. So say you're looking for a campsite. Just click on the drop down menu and 22 different campsites appear, and you can get information on each one. If you're looking for a hike or a way to get on the water, the map has 40 different trails and 48 boat ramps, all laid out on an easy-to-navigate digital map. To find the map and get started, visit TillamookCoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. All right, um, after I snuck in two picks for the price of one, uh, we've come to your Third pick, Mike. So where, where are you taking us?
2: I'm going to do something much tamer. Uh, I'm going to take us to the Spring Basin Wilderness. Have you heard of this?
0: I've heard of it, and I've thought about trying to travel there. I've never been.
2: Yeah. So I went there um, with the Chemekedans as a backpack. So where the, where is this? So it's about halfway between antelope and fossil. Just south of Route 218, right on the east bank of the John Day River. Sure. Uh, so beautiful area, actually. So from the trailhead, you can look across and see the one of Oregon's most infamous locations, which would be the the ranch, the the Rajneishi Ranch. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's right in that same canyon, or <laughs> just across the river.
0: What was the name of that documentary? Like Wild Wild Country. Uh,
2: yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So you're taking us to that area? Okay. I am
2: across the river, though. Yeah. Actually, the rancher who is adjacent to this wilderness, I think he's actually interviewed in that documentary. Sure. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy," <laughs> and he has a, a three-legged dog. That's a, uh-huh. <laughs> and a very friendly dog. And anyway,
0: this, and the, but this is a, a fairly new wilderness area too. I think it's only established in like what 2009. You're right on. Yep, yeah.
2: 2009, uh, and it's not that big. It's 6,400 acres. Mm-hmm. Uh the thing about it is it's despite the name Spring Basin it's very dry. Mm-hmm. Uh so you want to go in the late winter, mm-hmm. early spring. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I went there in March and April and there are two there are two springs on that 6400 acres if you know where to find them and sometimes they're just a trickle. So keep that in mind, but it's beautiful. I mean it's it's one of those you know, it's it's high desert. There's a lot of sagebrush, whatever. But in the spring, it's it's known for its wildflowers. Um, I'm not a I'm not a plant guy, so I don't I don't I can't really list them all off. But my recollection of the area was that yeah, everything's coming into bloom. Mm-hmm. In, you know, in late March here, it's a great alternative for when you can't do much else anywhere sure. else. Uh, also, a lot of wildlife. I remember being up on top of some some small knolls, whatever, and looking. And I'm like. Are those deer? And someone said, "No, I think they're antelope." And I was like, "I've never seen antelope before. This is very cool." Mm-hmm. But anyway, there is a there are a couple peaks. Peaks uh, maybe is generous, but um, there's one kind of in the middle of the wilderness called Horse Mountain Summit. Uh, and one of the times that we were out there, I'm like, "Let's go!" You know, let's let's summit something. You mm-hmm. know, I was looking to to climb and get a view. You know, a three good three sixty view around. So. I would uh the, the trip stats that I've that I looked up, so from the trailhead it would only be a eight point two mile round trip mm-hmm. with only uh fifteen seventy of elevation gain. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean it's one of those it's one of those options for when you can't go anywhere else or do anything else and it's it's really different. I mean I was I was really intrigued by, you know, this this grassy landscape and all these little slot canyons you could just come across at any moment. Um, one of the one of the springs is kind of it kind of freaked me out at the time, but it was also really cool. Uh, one of the springs is at the head of one of these canyons, and that's where we camped the first time that that I went there. And we're picking out our camp spots, and all of a sudden I ran aclo- across a a fully intact elk. Skeleton, oh, like wow. everything. I don't think there was a bone missing on that. And as we walked around, there were skeletons everywhere. I'm like, w- w- we're camping here in this <laughs> in this pet cemetery. Uh, but it was, I mean, if you think about it, that's where the spring was. Mm-hmm. That's where the animals would come to drink, and that's where they were. That's where they were prey, you know, for yeah. for predators. Uh, Saw some really cool uh, horned owls yeah. uh, up in a tree there. Again, it may be pushing the limit of what. Consider a, a big mountain scramble, but it's it's a cool area.
0: Well, and it's fun. Like it's it's it doesn't have to be the tallest, hardest right. mountain to really to be really one of your favorites. Um, and tell me a little bit about the approach. I mean, are you going cross country and like picking out a, an obvious landmark? Is there is there a trail or what's the mechanics of actually getting up there?
2: Yeah, there are trails around. My recollection was after you get about halfway in there, you're just kind of you see it in the distance. And it's pretty wide open, so it's kind of choose your own adventure type thing where you're just heading for a low spot on one of the sides, and then you're following a ridge up uh, from well, if you're looking at it, uh, looking east, it would be on the right hand side, so then you're heading heading north up to the up to the summit. Gotcha. No real obvious trail once you
0: get up there. And Things you just make, and you just kind of trudge your way up the mountain up, up. Yeah, once you get yeah, there. you're
2: you're picking your way through these little spots of grass, maybe scrambling up some rocks covered by lichen or moss or whatever, and another patch of grass, and just you know, sure. just saying, well, how can I get up to this point?
0: Well, it's funny that actually reminds me of there's a number of peaks like this out in that like. John Day area. Uh, uh, one analogous one that I can think of is Sutton Mountain, which rises right over the top of the Painted Hills. Okay, It's been in the news a little bit. Uh, I wrote about it because there was a push to make it a, a wilderness area that like connected to the Painted Hills for kind of like a larger sort of holistic sure. experience. There's been legislation pitched a bunch of times, but I did this climb with uh, like a local rancher um, and it was really fun. And you climb up this fault block mountain, just you know, on random roads, it's just, again, it's a big point. And then you get up to the top and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, and I feel like a lot of, there's a Warner Mountain out there is kind of like that, where you just, there's not really a trail. You just sort of cross country it up to like the highest point you can see. Sure. And that's, that's, that's what it is. Yep. Gotcha. That's okay.
2: kind of the nature of scrambling. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it, but it's, it's, there's a different feel to it out in that like uh, Canyon Lands. Eastern Oregon kind of area where like you can instead of trees blocking your Uh, your view, you can just pick out your and say, I'm going there. Right. And, you know, you might come across some stuff on the way, but Mm -hmm. uh, you can usually make it happen. All right. For my uh, fourth pick, I'm going to go with what might be the most visually beautiful summit of my picks at least. And that is the Matterhorn. Uh, It's a white limestone peak that rises 9,800 feet in the Wallawa Mountains. It's not quite as impressive as the Matterhorn in the Swiss Alps, but that's okay. It's pretty good for Oregon standards and the Eagle Cap Wilderness. The Matterhorn is the second tallest peak in the Wallawas, but it's often paired with Sacajawea, which is the official tallest at just 12 feet taller, and it's just across the ridge. Um, So that's the official tallest peak. Um, I love this climb because... It makes the perfect three-day trip through, although some very fit people do it in, in one day. I love doing it in three days. Um, the total like mileage and elevation climb, it's 20.5 miles round trip with 5,600 feet of climb. So if you do that in one day, you are in really good shape. Us mere mortals do it in three days. Uh, the climb starts at Wallowa Lake Trailhead. Climbs past beautiful waterfalls, wildflower meadows to Ice Lake. Uh, one of the most stunning lakes in Oregon. Um, you just feel like the sky is filled with these beautiful uh, mountains. It is also lives up to its name. It's a very cold uh, lake to be in there. The next, So I like to make camp there. And then the next morning, there's a pretty good climber's trail. You kind of follow a little, little creek, and there's a pretty decent climber's trail that brings you up and up and up through really dramatic landscape. Um, wildflowers and creeks tumbling down, all kinds of good stuff. Um, and then you get on kind of the – you can feel yourself getting onto the white limestone at the top. Like the geology sort of changes, and you can just kind of grip your way up the limestone and then follow it across the ridge to the Matterhorn Summit, which is just beautiful. I mean, you're surrounded by all the, the huge Eagle Cap wilderness. There's just big mountains and lakes in every direction you look. And then if you want to do the Sacagawea route, it's just – just to your right, I mean, you can see it from the top. It's a little darker. You, it's a little bit more challenging. I think you got to make your way around a few features. But uh, you can do it either way. I didn't actually go there because a th- we saw a thunderstorm rolling in. Sure. And, <laughs> and we're like... You know, we'd probably be okay, but we don't really want to be up here in a thunderstorm. Um, you know, on this kind of lightning rod peak, so we're gonna we're gonna scramble down, and that ended up being a a, a good call because it got pretty windy and wet up there. There is one of my favorite little uh, lakes just below the Matterhorn. Uh, we nicknamed it Ice Cube Lake um, <laughs> instead of Ice Lake, and we did take a quick swim in there. Um, but just beautiful. You're just surrounded by the whole. You know. Wallawa Mountain experience. Um, you must have some experience with that. Uh, wh- what have you done in the Wallowas? Do you have a favorite peak in the Wallowas?
2: When I moved out to Oregon 10 years ago, I had heard about the Wallowas and I'm like, oh, I am definitely getting out there. Mm-hmm. It took me until last year to finally make my way out there. Uh, and so I've really only been in, well, as far as peaks climbed, uh, Eagle Cap. Yeah. And, and that's, Spectacular. I mean, that was everything I hoped it would be, mm-hmm. right? And I just love that area. I have a, a friend of mine, actually the same one that invited me to go up that middle sister climb, he had spent a lot of time in the Wallawas. And so he he was really excited to to show us all like some of his favorite spots. And he pointed out, you know, all of those kind of north-south canyons mm-hmm. uh going right, yep. lo- right into the middle of the wilderness. And that just makes for some really great opportunities for, for circle routes, you know, mm-hmm. going in, way, in one way and out the other. But uh, we didn't have a whole lot of time, but Eagle Cap was definitely a great taste of, of the area. And yeah, I, I can't wait to go back.
0: I, I'm thinking about doing, I actually planned to do the Eagle Cap when my parents came out here, just few weeks ago. And then that historic heat wave hit. And I didn't really want to camp with like my elderly parents and my kids Mm -hmm. and then climb Eagle Cap when it was like 110 degrees. Uh, So I, I bagged that. I'm curious though about Eagle Cap. I mean, it looks like there's a pretty good trail. Like with the Matterhorn, there's a good climber's trail and then it's kind of a scramble. So I would call it like sort of an easy scramble mm-hmm. in that you navigate a little bit but not too much. So, it, Is Eagle Cap the same or does the trail really take you there?
2: The trail's really obvious uh, right from, I can't remember the name of the lake that we camped at, right at the base of Eagle Cap. But yeah, you swing way out uh, to the to the west mm-hmm. and then start working your way past some other lakes and a ridgeline, but you're following a very obvious yeah. um, It's it's got to be, you know, PCT like mm-hmm. uh, in in width, and then even right up to the top, you right before you break out to the summit, you're in some some scrub brush where you haven't been before. You've been kind of in the in the open, just um, doing uh, traversing back and forth on the side of it. Then you get into this brush, and you're like, oh, I thought we were at the top, and all of a sudden you break out, and you're there. So it's it's pretty spectacular.
0: I'm looking forward to. It. That's definitely on the list, and really fits with the, <laughs> the kind of the kind of scramble climbs that I'm looking to do these days. All right, so we have arrived at your fourth pick. Uh, where are you bringing us with number four?
2: Uh, Diamond Peak. It's it's one that I've only climbed once, um, but you stole so many of my picks that I didn't have. <laughs> I didn't have many left. Uh, it it is another one of those big mountain feels. Yeah. Uh, and I'd seen it many times driving on 58. You know, looking yeah. The signs like Viewpoint Diamond Peak, and you're trying to like look as you're driving, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as, as you're scooting by. But I finally got a chance to do it. I don't know, maybe about four years ago. And the textbook stats for it are let's see, ten miles round trip and thirty-two fifty-five elevation gain. Mm-hmm. So you know you're doing some decent, some decent climbing. As you make your way up, it it switches from obvious trail to you're going over some boulder fields. Mm-hmm. So there's some scrambling over over those, and then you get up onto uh, to a fault summit where it's 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 like a kind of a scree ridge, mm-hmm. and and off to one side, I recollect the there was snow like pushed right up against against that ridge, and. You know, you decide, well, it looks easier walking down there on the snow, and then you get to a point where you're like, oh, now I can't get back up on the ridge. So mm-hmm. it's there's some decision making. Yep. Um, probably in 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 retrospect. We should have stayed on the on mm-hmm. the on the scree. But yeah. And then you pop over onto the I mean, the summit is very, very broad and very, very flat. It's not one of these pointy, Thielsen-like things. But, yeah, you're seeing the views all up and down the Cascades.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's almost set back a little bit, too. Like, with the Sisters, you're, like, right on top of, it feels like, all the old Cascades. But, like, Diamond Peak, I think, is a little...
2: A little offset. A little
0: offset. And so you get, like, sort of a, a, a pulled-back view mm-hmm. um, a little bit. Diamond Peak has always struck me as interesting because it looks like the back of a Stegosaurus or something. <laughs> sure, yeah. Because there's, like... all these lumps and bumps and stuff like that. There's two trailheads. Um, you've got the the Summit Lake trailhead on the PCT, uh, which I've done, and then there's the rock pile uh, version that I've done. And then there's kind of two... Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. There's kind of two different ways to do it. Like there is. You can follow the PCT, and then there seems like... I've been told that there's a pretty obvious um, obvious-ish like climber's trail that brings you up. We kind of... Scrambled up from, I think it was Marie Lake, and you know, people were kind of wondering where the heck we were going. <laughs> like, they're like, "Are you leading us in the right place?" But then you, I think we linked up within it, shortened the trip by just a little bit. So, which which route did you end up taking?
2: You know, I was I was last night. I was looking through pictures and trying to remember exactly mm-hmm. that. I, I believe we went in through the rock pile Trailhead, yeah. which is a little bit to the what, southwest, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, The thing I remember about that is getting to that trailhead, uh, there's a stretch. If you come in, you were talking about needing uh, high clearance vehicles. If you come in via, I think, Crescent Lake, there's a stretch of about six miles where someone that did that climb came in that way and they said – wow, we will never get on yep. that road again. And it I've seen pictures of it and it's just, it just looks
0: horrendous. That road is famous. So okay. I, I know that road really well because uh, Summer Lake is one of my favorite places. You can uh, boat in and, and camp on islands there. Okay. It's a really beautiful lake. It's like Crater Lake in Clarity and Diamond Peak is, like, right over the top. Mm -hmm. And there's a back way. If you start at Hills Creek Reservoir from Oak Ridge, there's a nice paved That's the way that I came in, yeah. It takes forever, but eventually you get there. However, if you take the shorter route from uh, Crescent Lake over to Summit Lake... That road is notorious. Now it's along the border of a wilderness area, which means it's not maintained. Sure. And all the worst roads in Oregon are along our borders of wilderness areas and they legally can't be maintained. And wow, that one is something. I drove it in my forerunner and it was just like it was hard it was scarier than like the actual climb itself. Oh, yeah because you're like, am I gonna get stuck? There's a ranger up there told me some hilarious story about a woman who tried to do it in a Cadillac and they had to they had to pull her out of there um but people don't know because google maps will take you yes that direction and not warn you that i mean on a list of the worst roads in oregon i think the road to marble pass i mentioned earlier is on that list okay this road is definitely on that list so you better have a pretty tight game if you want to take the short route to get to that summit lake uh trailhead but yeah diamond diamond peak really cool different ways to do it um and I like it too because it's not like Mount McLaughlin or South Sister in that it has the super obvious. Everyone takes like the same trail. Right. Uh, there's different kind of ways to do it. It's just it's it's a little bit more of a scramble.
2: Yeah, I think the lower half there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of different options. Yeah, and then they kind of all converge yeah. on a point where then you're you're doing the actual scrambling at that point. Yeah, but it seems to be. That there's one way up, except for that little detour we took onto the snowfield.
0: Sure, I think I remember getting up on that ridge line, and you can see the top. Um, then you got to like just work your way around. What are they called, jindarns, or what? That's probably the wrong word for it. So, so there, there's like just pieces of rock, and then like scree below it. Oh yeah. So you sort of hold on to the rock, like work your way around it, work your way around the next one, and I don't know. That's I don't know. It. I think you
2: were off route.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Let's see, that was your fourth pick. So I am coming in to my fifth pick. And all right, for my final pick, I wanted to pick something from the Siskiyou Mountains because as I've mentioned a few times, that's my home range of mountains in Oregon. The best overall climb in the Siskiyou's, in my opinion, is Preston Peak. Um, That's the mountain that really made me love fall in love with scramble climbing, but we covered it pretty extensively in a very recent podcast about fast packing and the klamath siskiyou backcountry, so just go back a few episodes and you can listen to that one. So instead of doing Preston Peak, I am going to pick a mountain that's not very well known statewide, and that is Grayback Mountain. It's the tallest peak in Josephine County, and a really fun little climb that's an adventure, but again, not too hardcore difficult. Uh, It really sums up kind of the remote and sublime feeling you get in the klamath siskiyou range. Um, It's a route where you feel like you're way out there, like if Bigfoot lives anywhere, I'm convinced he lives in the klamath siskiyou area, and you you definitely get that feel. Um, The route begins at O'Brien Creek Trailhead, and there's an upper and lower version that it doesn't really matter. It's just a, a mile between them and depends on what kind of rig you have. And you start off in some really nice old-growth southern Oregon forest, very diverse. You make your way up to a cool little snow survey cabin where I've spent a, spent a night before, and it's kind of a cool place. People write on the walls, right in a – it's one of those cool backcountry spots. And then right there is Grayback Meadows. And I think there's different ways to do it, but basically from, from there, it's just a true scramble where you just follow the rocks – up the mountain. And you just kind of go. And eventually, after about 900 feet and one mile um, from that meadow, you get up to the top. And it's just a really wild summit. You got to look out for some crazy black flies that for whatever reason, populate that summit and torture the people that make it up there. But it's a beautiful view because you can see all the way out to the ocean. Um, You've got the silver peaks of like the the high Siskiyou wilderness and the Red Buttes and that Southern Oregon landscape I love because you can really pick out the different mountain ranges. The Red Buttes are obvious. The Calameopsis is like the orange and then the silver is the high Siskiyou mountains. Um, I, I obviously know that area pretty well. So it's yeah, I mean, that's. It's not the biggest or the craziest or anything like that, but it's just one of my favorites. And so that is my final pick, Grayback Mountain. All right, um, you've got one more. Where? What are, you, what are you bringing us home with?
2: I do. This is a really tame one, but it's one of my favorite spots. Um, it's, it's, it's not really scrambling. There's one spot. Okay, we'll call it scrambling, but it's one of my favorite destinations. It's called Canyon Creek Meadows. It's on the east side of uh, Three Finger Jack. Mm-hmm. It really allows you to get right up, right up to the base of it, and, and get a good close look. Uh, I, you can get the same sort of thing by taking the PCT along the along the other side, but this this has a couple a couple things that that really uh, that I really like about it. So you enter via the Jack Lake Trailhead on the east side of M Pass. You take. A pretty long road to to, to get up there, but it, it it's worth it. So you you take a very distinct trail mm-hmm. uh to get to I think there's a lower meadows and an upper meadows. Mm-hmm. You want to go all the way to the upper meadows. Um I think we did it in mid June. Mm-hmm. It was still completely snow covered at that point. I don't know what it's like uh, over the past couple of years. It's supposed to be another great wildflower uh, it is.
0: area. I mean, as far as like the really scenic wildflower in a mountain shot, yep. that, upper, that upper Canyon Creek Meadows. Uh, actually, in a recent podcast, we had a debate over between Crescent Mountain and Canyon Creek Meadows, which oh, were okay. the most dramatically scenic. Alpine meadows in Oregon, and this one won for scenery. The other one won for diversity of wildflowers. Anyway, that's the, that's a tangent. You get to so yeah, you get up to the meadow, you get
2: to the upper meadows, and you're you're looking right at Three Finger Jack. So you want to head uh, a little bit to the left. Mm-hmm. There you can see a low line saddle, uh, which which connects to Three Finger Jack. You want to head for that. Uh, you'll start to climb up onto some some loose uh, loose scree, whatever, and all of a sudden you'll pop over the edge, and there's this. Brilliant blue cirque. Uh, I don't know if you call it a lake, but uh, definitely a water body of some yeah, sort yeah. that appears every spring there. So you you make your way around that, and you just keep heading for that saddle. Um, when I was there, it was snow covered, and again, we we were playing around, and and we we actually brought. You don't need this. I'm not saying you need to bring ropes and crampons, mm-hmm. but we did just for practice and, and mm-hmm. just kind of a training thing. But you make your way up to that saddle uh so you you pop over the edge and you're looking well one you're right next to three finger jack and you're you're looking at those you know those those lines of color that make up the make up the rocks there the reds and the mm-hmm. oranges and all that, and then you're looking south and Mount Washington's there, and you can see again, I mean I guess I'm a sucker for these spots where you can just like look up and down the cascades sure. and, um Tangent-wise, um, that's one of the reasons I like Black Butte. And mm-hmm. like you were talking about Diamond Peak, where it sits back a little bit, mm-hmm. Black Butte—you can get there, and you can the whole panorama is just laid out mm-hmm. in front of you. But anyway, this saddle is a great, great place to just kick back and enjoy the views for a while, and then make your way down. So again, pretty tame. It's like a seven point five mile loop elevation gain of 1400 feet so definitely doable but that lasts a little bit you know you feel like you know i'm scrambling through off trail
0: right yeah yeah well that's that that is a cool area i never have been up to that saddle i got into the uh, got to the lake or the okay, you know yeah. the glacial cirque, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it and then kind of like slid down to the to the edge of the lake yeah. and that was kind of a, a fun place to be and i got some like wide angle pictures um, I would note that, like you mentioned, the color um, being like really clear. Uh, when I went up there, which is kind of late fall, it was weird. It was much much darker and and murkier because I think once the snow melts, like all the sediment goes down into that oh, lake, yeah. and so it has a different aspect to it. But it's still, a very very cool spot, and it is just cool being right at the base of Three Finger Jack. Now, when you climb. Do you climb from that route, or do you climb from an entirely different route? Like, if you're going for the summit of Three Finger Jack... Oh, you- no.
2: You start uh, at Sanium Pass and okay. head up the PCT.
0: And why is that such a, a better way to climb it than this? Because this one gets you super close. Is it just like the route is better from that way?
2: Well, when you climb it, you're climbing the south kind of rib mm-hmm. of Three Finger Jack. And I'm trying to think... I'm not even sure how you would get there. I think you would have to get to that point and then circle all the way around yeah, okay. just to get to the start of the climber's the climber's trail.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, we have reached the end. That is a lot of mountains uh, for you to contemplate. I'm pretty sure that everyone listening to this will find at least one that they haven't done, especially in the spring. Is it Spring Basin or Spring Valley area?
2: Uh, spring Basin Wilderness.
0: Spring Basin Wilderness. Yeah, that's on, that's on my list for sure, along with uh, the peak near Broken Top. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, do you got any honorable mentions or mountains that are in closed wildfire areas that you want to uh, mention?
2: Yeah, um <laughs> most of my favorites are in are in those areas unfortunately. But one of my favorites is uh Goat Peak. Um not Goat Rocks up mm-hmm. in Washington, but Goat Peak and it sits it sits right on the the southern spine of Mount Jefferson. Uh so you would pass right by this if you were doing the main climbers route of uh of Mount Jefferson, but you get up to that you get up to that ridge and you look to the right and there's this it's a pretty sizable rock column which which sits out from the from the peak, and uh, I had just read about it, and so I just went up there once by myself, hiked in. You have to hike quite a ways to get through, and I believe that actually is was a permitted area then. Now it obvious it definitely is, but you uh, you make your way over to this rock column, and it's kind of tricky. You're looking at it, and you you don't climb up it. From that side, you need to find this little like secret trail, almost to to kind of wind your way around to the right to get around to the to the back end of it, and then it's an obvious, um, I don't know, forty foot uh, scramble up to the top.
0: Cool.
2: You were talking about pesky flies up there. I went up there and there were flying ants just everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, why here? Why now?
0: <laughs> well, you can't enjoy it too much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's that called? Like goat. Goat Peak. Goat Peak, yeah. and that's right on Mount Jefferson. So is that a nice alternative like if you don't want to go like do the whole climb of Mount Jefferson is this is this a nice like consolation prize?
2: Well, I don't know. You're you're still you're still a couple thousand feet from the summit. So mm-hmm. it's 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 not high, but it definitely gets you into some pretty dramatic scenery. Cool. All
0: right. So that's that's one. You got any other uh, obvious ones that you want to mention?
2: Um I really like Bear Point and oh. going in the well, you used to go in the Lower Brighton Bush Trail, and you get to a point where, where there's a junction, and you head off to the left, and then you, you take some switchbacks up the side and to an old uh, lookout spot there. Yeah. Uh, been up there several times, and even once I used that as a launching off spot to, to try to. <laughs> this is a little bit ambitious to uh, try to follow that ridge line uh, early season, so it was still all snow covered, all the way out to uh, Jeff Park Butte. Mm-hmm. Um, Good adventure. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, I have a friend of mine who, talking about naming things, he's named that Adventure Ridge.
0: Oh, nice. uh, apt, aptly named. You know, it, it, well, you bring that up, and that, it's melancholy because that peak was on my list for the longest time. Like, I meant to get up there like 13 different times. Oh, Bear Point? Yeah, Bear Point. Oh. And because, uh, you know, I had the map, I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Now that I'm not really doing technical stuff, like, that's exactly what I'm looking yeah. for. And. And the fire's hit, so I lost Middle Sister and Bear Point, uh, alas, that September is when I was going to hit it. But I mean, you know, it's going to be a few years, but it'll open up. The view of the mountain will still be there, so it's, you know, not all is lost. Uh, Any other honorable mentions that you want to mention?
2: Well, that whole area, um, right before you get into Detroit, uh, used to be my stomping grounds. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was introduced to that pretty early on by someone, and Um, Yeah, I kind of cut my teeth on those like uh, Halls Ridge and uh, Dome Rock and and all those areas right off the highway there, which have the added benefit of being accessible uh, when there's snow. Uh, So I did a lot of rigorous snowshoeing in in that area for a while.
0: That was a great place to, to get in shape. You know, yeah. if, you want, if you want to get in mountain shape, you start the tumble over yeah. <laughs> ridge trailhead and try to get up to Dome Rock and, exactly. and still be in one place. Um, I'm going to mention just a, cu- a few of my uh, favorites that uh, we didn't get to. Uh, Strawberry Mountain, um, out in the Strawberry Mountain Wilderness, is, is a great one. Uh, trail goes pretty close to the summit, if not all the way to the summit, from my recollection. Also, I want to mention Mount Scott above Crater Lake. Very well-traveled trail, not a scramble at all, but still it's one of the highest points in Oregon and you're right above Crater Lake. So that's a cool one. Uh, Mount Bailey is right across from Mount Thielsen and that's also a really cool, I think it gets almost as tall as Mount Thielsen. So you're looking right across at each other with Diamond Lake right right in between. There's probably some others, but uh, brain's starting to turn to mush, (laughs) which probably (laughs) indicates it's a good time to end this podcast. Uh, Mike, Thanks again for taking the time to talk about so many cool places in Oregon. It's been a blast having you. Um, hopefully, listeners got some cool ideas.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I'd encourage people just to get out there and and try some of this. So you never know, you could it could really take hold of you. And don't be uh, don't be um, shy about uh, look, checking out the Shemakadins either.
0: Yeah, great place. And, and and I would strongly encourage that. You know, in Oregon, tons of people have been moving to the state, in large part because they want to do outdoor adventures. But then they get here and they're sort of like. What do I do? Right. And the answer to that question is groups like the Chemeketans or the Mazamas, and that's that's how you should do it because yeah. you learn from the best, and that's the safest way to do it.
1: Well, that's about all the time we have for left on today's show. If you like what you heard, check out our catalog of what is now over forty episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal dot com slash explore. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and even Amazon Music. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resource Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for our future. Learn more at amforest.org.
0: We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast, a great place to plan your outdoor adventure with the help of their new recreation map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors.
1: Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.